This episode of the Anti-Heroes Podcast with Zach Blair is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I personally always make a stop at Thunder Road Guitars in Seattle. Uh, they're a great bunch of guys, and it's just not a complete Seattle trip unless I go and say hi and see what uh, wonderful stuff they have. These are real people offering real service, folks. Uh, use code ANTIHEROES10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com and tell them I sent you. Hey guys, this is Zach from the Anti-Heroes Podcast, and I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the show, DistroKid. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. Can you believe that? Anti-Heroes listeners get 30% off at distrokid.com slash VIP slash Anti-Heroes. Again, that's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Anti-Heroes. Thank you so much and support all the folks at DistroKid because they're they're doing amazing work and we couldn't be happier to have them on board. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors over at Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. We couldn't be luckier to have these guys on board with us. I personally use these products and you should too. Find out more about them at jimdunlop.com. Let's get on to the podcast. Welcome to the Anti-Heroes Podcast with your host, Zach Blair. I am Zach Blair. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited about today's episode, and I will get into that. But first, I uh, let's chat. How are you doing? How, how's, how's everything going in your world? I am doing, or I already did, guided tours of the Punk Rock Museum, which I haven't done it yet, so I don't know if I did a good job. I hope I did a good job. Other than that, you know, just looking forward to to the next year. Uh, the Rise Against Band are going to be in Australia for the entire month of February with Blink-182. Uh, so that's going to be interesting and fun and a whole month in Australia, which if you do this sort of thing, if you tour, you know you don't go to Australia for a month. You go there for a week, two weeks. We're going for a month. Big old tour. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. So today I am bucking the system. As I said in the promo for this season, I was going to talk to my first drummer. And boy, did I talk to my first drummer. My guest is one of the world's greatest drummers and most influential drummers. Everyone from Dave Grohl to, uh, well, God, anybody that plays punk rock music, heavier music, they know who my guest Dale Crover is. If you don't know the Melvins, shame on you, because this is my fourth season and I interviewed Buzz Osborne, their stupendous, amazing, unbelievable guitar player, vocalist, on my first season. This is Dale, the other half of the Melvins. There's, Melvins are usually a three-piece, but it's the, the permanents are Dale Crover and Buzz Osborne. At least for what happened 
in the late 80s and the 90s, and there was no one more influential than Dale Crover, which, well, let's face it, that also influenced everything that's happening now. But Dale is also a guitar player, and I knew this because my fearless producer, the wonderful Joseph Plummer, is also friends with Dale, and they have a project together that's just a percussion project. It's Dale Crover, Joseph Plummer, and Cody Willis, who we talk about, who is now filling in for him in the Melvins, who also used to play in the Melvins. They did a dual drummer thing. And he is filling in for him right now as Dale recovers from spinal surgery, which we were going to do this uh, interview uh, the day Dale found out uh, that he was going to have to have surgery. And so that was awful. And that was six weeks ago. He's on the mend. He's doing a lot better. And he's trying to get back at it. So let's get into my interview with Dale Crover. Thank you for doing this. We're, we're going to talk about your guitar playing, which everyone in the world would wonder why. And like you just told me, you are a guitar player playing drums that wants to play guitar. And exactly. I think that's every, every guitar player wants to play drums and every drummer wants to play guitar. But guitar was actually my first instrument. I go to a space and play drums all day. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think you're completely right. Uh, you know, I, I just told you, so I met you a while back when I was in Guar, but I also met you. I was 16, maybe 17. You guys were playing in Austin. That was the Cannibal Club. I don't know if you remember that place. And you were on the uh, Solo Records tour. And uh, I told Buzz about this, and I was fucking, you know, I was such a dumbass. And I, I went up to him, and I go, well, what label are you guys on, man? Like, who puts your records out? And he goes, Boner Records. And I thought he was fucking with me. So I was like... All right, man. I'll leave you alone. <laughs> well, were we playing with Ed Hall? Were we playing with that band? You are. Hall? Yeah, because they were on Boner Records, too. And, and I didn't know shit about shit. You know, I was just a Texas fucking idiot. I didn't know anything. And I think if I just would have looked at the record I had and, you know, whatever. Well, anyway, like I said, let's talk about your guitaring. Hey, thank you so much for doing this. I know you just went through some health stuff that we talked about, and you're, you're, you're on the mend. I am, yeah. I was... Um rehearsing for a tour that we did last may and right when we started rehearsing i felt uh, what i thought was a pulled muscle in my bicep and then somebody you know didn't go away and somebody's mentioning like it sounds more like you have uh, maybe a pinched nerve in your neck and i'm like no nah it can't be it hurts here you know and and then i kind of thought thought about it and i was like oh maybe it is my neck you know and funny because on that tour we were playing in portland and we ran into danger aaron from jackass who were friends oh yeah who's had a lot of his own injuries and he's like, Oh yeah, you got a pinched nerve. He's like, you feel this right here? He's like, can you move your arm? Move your arm now. So does it hurt? I'm like, no. He's like, yeah, you got something, you know, he knew all what, exactly what it was. Yeah. Which it wasn't. Yeah. Because, um, well, I went on tour, we went to Europe. I wasn't able to see a doctor. It wasn't getting better. And I booked something for when I got back. And, um, I got in right the day that we were supposed to start rehearsing for this tour that's happening now without me with the band Boris. And my doctor, who I'd been to before for like a lower back ruptured disc, was doing some like resistance muscle tests on me. And she's like, I've got to get you in for an MRI right away. 
And she called two days later. She's like, I have bad news for you. You've got spinal stenosis and you're going to need surgery. I'm like, really? So basically I went to this specialist and he's like, he didn't have anything good to say. (laughs) He's like, (laughs) like, there's no amount of physical therapy that'll fix this. It's really bad. You're going to have to have surgery. It's, we're going to have to fuse these discs together. You know, and I I had a billion questions about stuff. Yeah. And it was a shock. You know, and I had to tell the other bandmates, like, I can't even rehearse. <laughs> you know, I can't yeah. do this tour. And I'm really sorry. I don't know what the hell we're going to do. And luckily, Buzz had thought of asking Cody Willis, who, big business, high on fire, Murder City Devils, who also played in the Melvins. Who also and, was in the Melvins. And yeah. just to, you know, yeah, when we had uh, the big business guys in the band. And he was able to do it. He was free and was, was able to... Uh, I mean, they didn't have much rehearsal time at all. Like I, I think even less than a week. But you know, Cody crammed, crammed for the wow. exam. And this tour, we we're doing the Bullhead record, and we had played that record with him before, so he knew it. And, Great. And yeah, and they're they're out on tour right now. They're out, almost through. Uh, yeah. Well, you're one of the few bands that have actually used two drummers. It's like you guys and the Grateful Dead, and like you know, and so you're yeah. and the Almond Brothers, famous, yeah. And so you were able to to draw on that. So of all the bands to happen to, shit, you know. Yeah. That, what a, I mean, what a it's thing. hard for me to watch clips of the band playing without me, you know. I would imagine. But at the same time, I'm really happy that they're able to do it because it would have put, I mean, Boris was coming from Japan. The opening band, Mr. Flies, was coming from Chicago. I mean, everybody that bought a ticket, everybody, every club, every worker, whatever. I mean, it would have been, you know, yeah. domino effect of people out of work and that would have laid pretty heavily on me. Yeah, I bet. Though I'm sure that there was insurance and stuff and people would understand. And nobody's really complained, as far as I know, about me not being in the band. I mean, it's just unfortunate, you know? It's unfortunate. I mean, the real, you know, the Melvins have have a throng of diehard fans that I'm sure are like, they want to see Dale Crover play drums because as a fan myself, that is definitely one of the reasons I would come to a Melvin show. But I would rather just see a Melvin show rather than not yeah i mean hopefully it's something special and unique that you'll only have to see once <laughs> sure 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 it's like and it becomes that and in the true sort of nature of your band it becomes sort of like that boutique your band is so fan friendly and there's so many things like that one-off things and pieces of merch and records and things like that that you know i got to see the the one tour where dale grover wasn't on so it becomes sort of a in the canon of your band you know right so, yeah, but I got a sweet scar out of the whole thing, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm made of metal, metal and screws. So I'll be able to set off metal detectors when I go through airports now and all that. Yeah. Metal neck, man. That's a good name for a band. Metal neck. There's gotta be one already. It's gotta be. I have a rod in my femur and I have pins in my hip and my knees oh, just yeah. sometimes. Occasionally it sets it off. It doesn't do it all the time. Right. Was was your condition exacerbated by playing drums or was it genetic? Did it just happen to you? They said it was genetic and age, you know, I mean, uh, but then they've never seen me play drums before. So I don't know. I mean, definitely my posture is bad and it's something, I mean, even like I mentioned that I had the lower back issue and it's something that I've been conscious of trying to sit up straight and do stuff. But now I'm going to have to be, you know, completely like Weinberg yeah. and like, you know, not move my neck at all i mean i'll I'll figure it out you know you were definitely a physical drummer that is for sure right i've been playing lots of guitar well that's perfect let's talk my drumming houses are gone but my guitar fingers are there 
And you know, you do do your solo records and the fickle finger of fate yeah. is just such an amazing, amazing oh, record. Thanks. And yeah, let's, let's get into all of it. So did you start on guitar first? I did. When drums? I was eight years old, I started playing guitar. No shit. Yeah. What was your prime mover there? What, what motivated you to start doing that? I was just always interested in music and my parents bought me a cheap $80 uh, acoustic nylon string guitar and I started wow. taking guitar lessons at the local library. You know, I learned Hush Little Baby and Kumbaya and, and I think even a Beatles song. You know, it wasn't until quite a bit later where I learned bar chords and learned how to play rock songs, things like that. The reason, I mean, there was an older kid in my neighborhood, this guy named Craig Wells, who eventually ended up in the band Metal Church. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I remember. I kn- yeah. I remember seeing him one day. I was like, when I was, you know, probably about 11, 12, I got it really into Kiss. And I remember seeing him one day and he had long hair and we started talking about music and he invited me over to his house. He was older than me, but he, he's like, yeah, I've got a Les Paul and a Marshall half stack. I'm like, wow. And I'd never seen, you know, other than pictures, I'd never seen that kind of guitar or that kind of amp. So, yeah. So he showed me how to play my first bar chord song, which was um, Cat Scratch Fever by Ted Nugent. Oh. From there it was on. But then he's also the one that convinced me to be a drummer so he could jam. You know, That's awesome. I had an interest in both. I mean, I, you know, I really, I really liked both a lot. And so that's why I ended up being a drummer, really. Nobody else wanted to play drums. I don't think anybody would know that there's a metal church connection to the Melvins. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I loved metal church. I was a, I was a thrash metal kid. Oh, right. Um, and a metal kid. Their, their first show as they reformed in Aberdeen had the Melvins opening for them. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and you know, I mean, through through Craig, I heard bands like, I mean, Led Zeppelin. I'd never really heard them before. I was into Kiss, so it was like, that was the kind of the next step. He was super into Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin too. Um, yeah, and then he also introduced me to like Judas Priest, which I was like, wow, this is really great stuff. You know, I mean, everything about it. You know, guitar playing, the drumming, yeah. um, the singing. Yeah. And then a week later, Iron Maiden. <laughs> yeah. Instantly a, a metalhead. And we need those guys. We need those like those Sherpas that, yeah. that bring us in. Here you go. And they give you Number of the Beast. And they give you Unleashed in the East. And they give you, you know, like they. I used to go watch it in practice. I used to, I mean, even before it was in Metal Church, he was in cover bands. So it was like being able to go watch bands play was cool. I'm just kind of, I was this kid hanging out watching him play. So in your first band, were you a guitar player or no, did you drummer. play drums in your first drummer. band? You're a drummer. Yeah. I wasn't a guitar player in a band until about 93. So you just, you always played guitar. You were always like... I did. In- I mean, I didn't even have a guitar, really. I mean, well, I didn't have like a real electric guitar until probably about 1988 after the Melvins had done... We did a tour where we actually came home with money. Right. <laughs> and I ended up wanting a guitar and I always just kind of borrowed guitars from friends or whatever. And so I bought my first electric guitar, which was a, a Gibson S one. Oh, those are awesome. Yeah. I really wanted a Mustang, you know, cause that was kind of yeah. the time when, I mean, I thought they were cool, but they were getting kind of popular probably because of mud honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I lived in San Francisco and um, there was this guitar store there called real guitars and they had one that I wanted kind of was, wasn't so great, and it was, I felt it was overpriced. Right. And I almost ended up buying a uh, Epiphone Telecaster. Yeah. Which was like, it was a Telecaster with like 
an explorer style neck on it, like a hockey. Yeah, like the hockey, hockey stick yep. neck. But then, yeah. Oh, you, wait, you have one. Wait, oh, I have a base. Oh, it's a dumb base. It's not that. It's oh, like awesome. it's like, but it's still the hockey stick with the Epiphone. Right. That's oh, crazy. That's you so just said that. Yeah, I, I yeah. almost bought one of those guitars. I thought it was pretty cool, and then yeah. in the paper, I found the S one at a church, and it was like. 250 i think and buzz is like oh that's a really great guitar you know they're, they're these weird has like these bill lawrence pickups in it and like a weird yeah. picture and i think that a lot of people thought they were kind of like junky gibsons you know from the mid-70s right. but i have a picture of keith richards with one someplace so he had one there you go yeah well and i think that that weird 70s era of gibsons there was like there was the marauder yeah they did some cool shit right because kiss had the uh, um they had either marauders or oh the l what is it l6 maybe l6s yeah. the l6s right. yeah which steven mcdonald bought one of those a couple years ago when we were on tour dude those are great the l6s is such a cool guitar it's like a thinned out like wider less ball or whatever yeah 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 that was a cheap guitar when i bought it but now just looking on reverb it's like oh it's worth a little bit of money if you can find somebody to buy it anyway <laughs> well and if I'm not mistaken, the S1 was like basically the Marauder, but with like a different pickup configuration. Yeah. It had like three single coils yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. That you can and the Marauder. And you yeah. Pick it like a double coil. You could, I mean, it had all these different switching options to it. So, so what you don't, you do have that anymore? I still you don't have, have it. it yeah. yeah. You still have it. I have every guitar except my very first, the very first nylon guitar. And that just, it just fell apart. I almost didn't, didn't get rid of it because I'm like, well, it was my first guitar, even though I can't use it. Just have it in pieces. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel bad about it, but I mean, I don't know. I was trying to count up how many guitars I have now, and it's like I have somewhere between 15 and 20, I think. So Yeah. <laughs> do you still record, like, on your solo stuff, do you still do the S1? Have you ever used it? Seems like I used it not too long ago, and I think I even got it fixed up because it kind of it sat for a long time. The next guitar I bought after that was a reissue of a 57 Les Paul Gold Top. Oh, like the first new guitar I ever bought, brand new. Yeah, I always say it's my new guitar still, but it's like oh, it's like thirty years old now. All right, Buzz and I ended up talking a lot about the electrical guitar company yeah. guitars, and I know those are kind of synonymous with Melvin's only because Buzz uses them. Did you ever pick up any of those? Did that guy ever make you stuff? I keep talking to the guy about making one, and and even recently we're going back and forth through text. Like I know what I want, I know what it's going to be, kinda, and then kind of hoping that he has some suggestions about stuff mm -hmm. um it'll be i think it's going to be something he's never really made before oh kind of i mean i think i'm going to go all aluminum but i keep going back and forth because he made buzz like a telecaster body guitar i saw that and that one's really cool i really like it a lot so cool the uh, uh i don't know if it's a lucite or, or or whatever but like brushed like he does brushed yeah but he did like brushed on the on the it's on like the, opaque kind of yeah yeah. So I had an original Travis Bean and Kevin from Electrical like reached out and traded me. He made me a guitar and we traded. Oh, cool. Because I didn't like that Travis Bean. I mean, it was cool to have a Travis Bean, but it was like, I just didn't like the neck. I was never going to play it. I just had it. Yeah. And he made me like a Dan Armstrong with even the the sort of for Micah Pitguard and everything with his, you know, oh, the yeah. aluminum neck. This is really cool. And uh, I engraved it on the back, my initials and everything. It was such a nice thing to do and, and what a nice guy. But man, that, that guitar, it's like it's like Excalibur. Those things are so fucking heavy. Yeah, you know? that's the one thing where I was kind of thinking like, maybe I want aluminum. It'll be a little bit lighter. 
Yeah. Easier on the back and neck. <laughs> Fully. You know what I thought? And since we were preparing for this interview and I was like, oh, well, you're a guitar player. I, I thought there would be like a reality where there's a Melvin's where you're playing guitar yeah. on stage with the band. Yeah. I mean, well, I probably could now. <laughs> That's upset, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah. That would be funny. It could happen. You know, yeah. Well, if it happened, that would mean that you weren't you weren't able to play drums, and that wouldn't be good. So right. you know. Well, there's yeah. actually we did something a few years ago when Jeff Pincus was playing with us. We had two basses, and we did like a. It was in San Diego. It was us riding on the train playing songs, and so I just played acoustic guitar with everybody else. Jeff Pincus played banjo. I think me, Buzz, and Steven were both playing, or all three of us were playing guitar, and so. Wow. So yes, I've kind of, and I've written some songs for the band, not many, but yeah, a couple. Here and there. Your own solo stuff is definitely unto you. It is different, you know. And so it seems like I kind of find myself in that same situation being in a band where the stuff I write isn't really the stuff that the band plays, you know. Yeah. And that's a, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I wanted to do that just because. I mean, I thought it'd be something fun to do. I mean, I played guitar in a band that I formed in San Francisco with some friends called Altamont. In oh, yeah. 93. And we played a bunch. And then I moved to LA and then we didn't play so much. So. Um, I did a solo record in 2017, and I was like, I really want to play this stuff live, and so I put together a band. And, oh, wow. and you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just play guitar. So I have like a, a cocktail drum set that I have set up in in front of me that I'll kind of go back and forth on. But I mean, there's a drummer that, that plays in the band, and, yeah, and um, she's really great, and it's fun, you know. So, what guitars were you using on that tour with my band? Yeah. Um, the Les Paul, the, the gold yeah. Les Paul. And then my friend Dan, who is the bass player in Altamont, bought me a, a Supro, like a single oh. a single um, like gold foil pickup. And, yeah. And I just thought it was kind of a cool guitar, and, and it was something kind of different. Those are cool guitar. Those newer Supros, the yeah. like reissued ones. Yeah, those are super cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like them. I've kind of. Had, it's funny you mentioned. That. I've had my eye on those for a while. Like oh, every time I see the ad, I'm always like, <laughs> they get me with the ads, man. I buy so much stupid shit just because you know. Yeah, I I like that guitar a lot. I think it's pretty cool. And then I bought an amp for playing live too. Like I mean, I I had plenty of amps, but I wanted a combo amp rather, and I didn't yeah. haul around like a half stack anymore, and so. I play in Red Cross, and I was mentioning to, I was talking with Jeff McDonald. I'm like, oh, I want to get a combo app. And he's like, oh, you should buy one of the ones that we have, meaning his wife and, and his self. And, right. and I'm like, oh, what do you have? And he's like, well, we got this Fender Vibro King. And I was like, really? And I kind of knew yeah. who those were. I'm like, oh, you mean the one that Pete Townsend uses? Yeah. Because I was thinking I wanted to get the Hot Rod DeVille, I think, which was like the... I've got one of those. Is that, yeah. is that four tens? I can't remember. There's different configurations, I believe. Uh, shit. Uh, there's a two twelve, and there might right. be a yeah, and then like a four ten. Maybe That's, I was interested in the four ten, but this one has three tens in it. And, wow! And so, and I had to keep bugging him about it. He's like, "Oh, because it belonged to his wife. She's in the Go Go's. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was in their storage spot, and he had to go dig it out." And he finally did, and it was in, it was, I mean, he gave me a, a pretty good deal on it, but it was in a little bit, needed some work. And I took it to this amp guy, I know, right away, and he's like, oh, this thing's kind of beat. But, I mean, it ended up not being that much to fix it, a couple hundred bucks. Right. But, 
And um, sounds great. I really like that amp a lot. I mean, that's awesome. You plug the Les Paul into that, and it's like, oh, there's the Neil Young sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so, for sure. But I think now I want an even smaller amp. <laughs> you know, right now I think well, I get the deluxe. Speaking of Neil Young, man, those the technology. Well, that'd be good. The technology on getting smaller and smaller and things are sounding better and better. It, it's, yeah. it's kind of a crazy time to live in, you know, there's like Strymon make a pedal that, you know, it has three amps in it. There's a Marshall Plexi, there's a Fender twin and like a Vox AC 30 in the, you know, and you just carry a pedal board and there's your whole amp yeah. and you line in and that'd be great. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. It's kind of <coughs> nuts, man. Um, Plus I'm over big it, amps, you know, I don't yeah, it's, anything anymore. It's like, it's, it's awesome to look at as a cool look, you know what I mean? Yeah, but sure. it's kind of like technology caught up. We used to be at that precipice where things were smaller, but they didn't sound as good. Now they sound as good, if not better. And it's, you know, yeah. it, it's on a pedal board. So why wouldn't you fucking, you know, exactly, exactly. why wouldn't you do that? I mean, so. you know, Buzz now, he just has, I mean, it's basically a pedal version of the Sun Beta Lead. Yes, yes. Does that and some power amps and a couple of speakers. Uh, Unbelievable. But I, I want to go. Yeah, I want to go even smaller, just because. Speaking of like Neil Young, it's like he's just got a twelve-speaker deluxe, or yeah. or like any of the Led Zeppelin stuff. It's like that record. I mean, live, of course, he's got a bunch of huge stuff. But I mean, recording-wise, they weren't using big amps. You know, yeah, small combo. Amp. I'm doing fucking amp profiling now with this. Oh, cool! I'm getting into it. Like I'm, I'm willing to learn. Right. You know. I mean, just around the house. Like I mean, I have like a, um, I have a Vox Cambridge Reverb that I think has like a ten inch speaker oh, right. in it. It sounds great. It's plenty loud enough for here, my house. Yeah, of course. It's all you. It's all you need. Uh, speaking of Red Cross, that record, that last record, is amazing. Oh yeah, thanks, thanks. Ah, it's so good, so good. What a cool. When I heard you were in that band, I was just like, well, a that makes sense, and b that's just so cool. Yeah, um, those guys are big gearheads too, like Jeff and Jason, who plays guitar. Like every practice, they come in with a different guitar and a different amp. Yeah, you know, and it's really cool, like just how into gear they are. Uh, but it doesn't matter what they bring in; it's like it always sounds like them. You know, it just sounds like them. Yeah, <laughs> the best are always like that, aren't they? You know, it doesn't matter what they're playing. No, it's it doesn't. Just, it doesn't. It's always going to sound like them. It's always just going to be them. So there was a Melvin record, a Melvin's record where you played bass with, you guys had your original drummer. Yeah. Yeah. So I have bass players on here as well. So what were you using with that? Like, what did you record with bass wise? Um, I think recording wise, I think it was the, uh, um, we have a, uh, Chris Novoselic model Gibson. Oh, what are those called? Uh, Oh, the uh, RD artist yes. or the grabber? Yes. The RD artist. The, the yeah. RD, yeah. So that thing's huge and it's kind of too huge for it's me, huge. but it sounds really good. So that's what I ended up playing. We did it live a, a couple times. I mean, that that version of the band kind of exists with, yeah, with the original drummer. And, yeah. and I think we kind of reformed that version. Well, I had suggested to Buzz, like, you should do the original band for something and he's like i'll do it but you have to play bass i'm like okay and so i think i ended up getting a bass like again uh, dan from altamont gave me this bass of his that he didn't really use it was a, a ventures model wilson like a, oh that's awesome a, like a yeah. right style bass 
Yep. So, which I thought was cool. I always liked the Stooges, and I always liked the, that uh, Dave Alexander had that most right bass. Yeah. So, and I just got it fixed up not too long ago, and I use that. I've been messing around with like doing um, demoing. I got a um, yeah a Tascam digital eight track, and so I've been playing that bass a lot. It's, That's awesome. Yeah. Those Wilson Ventures models were, were awesome. Yeah, those are cool guitars. I really like it. My brother's a professional bassist and he he had one of those forever and it's cool yeah those are so cool i have two bases yeah. i've got that and then i've got a, a gibson ebo like student model oh yeah the the sg style body do you think altamont will ever do something again or you got or is it just kind of yeah i hope so i mean it'd be fun to do something there's talk of reissuing our very first ep actually remixing it so i think if we do that then we'll we'll do something and i mean i talk to those guys all the time so sure yeah you know, and I have, yeah. to do, I have to do more stuff with the solo band too. I mean, we'd planned on doing stuff before the pandemic. I had a record coming out and we were going to tour, but that shut everything down. So, sure. So there's talk of maybe this summer. We'll see. Um, but I, I've been itching to do it again. You know. Yeah. Well, it seems like now you know since you can't play drums, you yeah. can at least. I've been writing. I'm, I'm trying to do another another solo record. So. But awesome. get that done and go play. <laughs> yeah, go and go on actual tour. Yeah, I really you know. miss it. I mean, I I think it's I really like playing guitar live, and I kind of force myself to like do that and be a front man. You know, I need to see that. I need to see that. I need to see you play guitar. If I'm not mistaken, and I know it's been talked about a thousand times, you didn't actually play guitar in the Harvest Moon video, did you? Or did you? Well, I'm I'm playing guitar, but I mean, yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm actually doubling for Neil. <laughs> yeah, I'm his yeah. younger self, and I'm also his older self. But I'm in the background, like when the focus is on him. So I was yeah. on stage playing with his band. You know, at least, awesome. at least like I'm like, oh, show me how the song goes, and I'm like, oh, it's like this, you know. I think they told me That's some amazing. notes, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I, just show me the chords. And so, yeah, yeah, and I yeah. I played that song. You know, I figured out how to play that song. So that was pretty fun. And I was playing his guitar, so. That's amazing. So you got to. Wearing his clothes, playing his harmonica, dancing with his wife, driving his car. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be Neil Young. That's just insane. Yeah, I met That's... Neil Young dressed as Neil Young. So that was pretty <laughs> That's what a fucking meta moment that is. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it was <laughs> you know? cool. I mean, I really like his guitar playing a lot, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, me too. He's one of the reasons why I bought the, the Les Paul Gold Top, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean... I was mentioning wanting to get a deluxe amp. And I mean, that definitely that's kind of the... Just knowing that, like, oh, he gets that crazy... He gets a really huge sound out of just that. It's like... Yeah. Okay. It goes back to what you're saying about the guy, you know, the guy that's actually... Yeah, it doesn't matter what he's playing, it's going to sound like, you know. I had a friend that worked for him, and I'm a huge Neil Young fan. My wife is obsessed with him, and we were just talking to the guy. Like, we got backstage. It was like an outdoor sort of situation, and he walked off the bus, and I, my wife just froze. It was kind of like one of those, like, couldn't say anything, couldn't do anything, you know, kind of a moment. Yeah. It's, it's one of those people where when it's the real deal, you know, like, Anyone from Led Zeppelin or him or whatever, I just, I do not know what to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah what can you say? Hey, what can you say? how's it going? What can you, how, hey, hey, I'm in a band too. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, you know? yeah. Who gives a shit? Yeah. I remember Rob, Rob Halford actually introduced him. We played a festival and he introduced himself to me. 
well, hey, I saw your band. And I was just like, what are you talking to me for? That's Who great. the fuck cares? It was, it was very nice, but you know. So I always ask people if you have one that got away. And I know you talked about your first acoustic guitar, but did you have ever gotten anything stolen or an amp or a pedal or anything? Mm, luckily, no. No shit. Yeah, which, I mean... Knock on wood. Well, I mean, not any guitar stuff. There was some drum stuff that got stolen one time, just out of the van. But, eh, you know, I guess it could have been worse. And, and yeah, yeah. there was a snare drum I lost that I really liked a lot. That was um, this really nice Tama Art Star cut. That works. Yeah. So that that was the one that I, you know, I, I wish, That's I, your wish one. I still had it. I'm sure I could get another one like it. But, I mean, and I guess I've moved on. But, I mean, yeah, I've... I've kept every guitar that I've owned. I just rescued a, a uh, Made in Mexico Strat from a thrift store the other day. That's awesome. Um, like after after I had surgery, we were taking my son to the, something, and I'm like, hey, let's go to this thrift store for a second and just look around. And, and I see a guitar sitting there. I'm like, oh, what what is it? I'm like, oh wow, it's actually a Strat. And I kind of yeah. it to see I'm like, well, what's wrong with it? So it was like 199 dollars. I'm like. I'm going to buy it. I better buy it. You know, I'm, <laughs> you know I've, I've wanted a Strat. It. it wasn't the one that I necessarily wanted, but now that I have it, it's like, I really like it a lot. You know, I have a bunch of guitars. I mean, like even the S1, it's like, that's not what I wanted, but I, yeah. I'm loving that guitar. And um, actually Buzz bought me a Mustang a couple of years ago and I really love that guitar a lot. No shit. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So the Mustang came, came to you anyway. Eventually. Yeah. He's like, that's, I was hoping great you story. could use this in your solo band. And so, Hopefully I will. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. That's yeah. a great story. I mean, because that's, you know, I have a lot of those as well that end up becoming your favorite guitar. It's not exactly the one you wanted, but it's the one that's there. Right. It's the one you could afford. It's the one you got. That's the one I, and you know, I play it a lot, you know. I've been playing the Strat a lot because I just got it, but I mean, that Mustang's so easy to play. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. I You said something earlier. You said, I've let it go when you're talking about your snare. I I don't think any of us have let it go. It always, you know, it always sticks in my craw when yeah. I think about stuff. It's so personal. We put such a, a human thing on these pieces of gear, for me at least. You right. Know. I love gear, but I guess it's not like, I mean, I, I'll be able to survive without it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was my main snare drum at the time, but you know. I, you know, it's funny. I had, I don't know how these episodes are going to roll out, but I, I interviewed Greg Norton from uh, Husker Du. Oh, yeah. And he's never, ever had something stolen. Wow. Like, they they never, uh, it's all the touring they did, all the SST crazy shit, yeah. and he never had anything stolen. He's got everything. He's got everything he ever had. He never had something. He never lost it. I was just like, you've got to be shitting me. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, that's lucky. And, uh, you know, Considering all the touring that we have done, I think that's pretty good. I mean, that we haven't. Really- yeah, I would. Sh- I should say so. I mean, God, I met you in '91, which you had been on tour for a, quite a while before that, right? And I remember staying, like, just reading up throughout, and just even back then, thinking, God, that band never goes home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Funny. I mean, yeah. We've always had to work hard. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you also always, you you are such a prolific 
band. I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't think anyone's as prolific as the Melvins right. ever. Yeah, I mean, really. Was, yeah, I mean, thanks to Buzz to keep keep it, you know, keep the whole thing going as far as like, sure. This is what we have to do. And, you know, we don't want to have day jobs. <laughs> we don't ever want to go back to that, you know? And we've never really looked back. And gosh, you know, yeah. I don't want that was my uh, mantra in life. I just never wanted to go back to a day job. Right. And, and thankfully, you guys have such a great partner with Ipecac Records that just, you know, yeah. are fans of yours and willing to to do all that, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've, you know, they're pretty much ready anytime we want to put a record out. You know? It's just so amazing. We're always thinking we, ahead. You know, we've got stuff lined up. There's, you know, plenty going on. Well, I can't wait to hear it. And I can't wait to see you playing drums again. Yeah, thanks. Me too. I, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I also very excited to see you play guitar. So, like I said, your solo stuff's amazing. If anybody's listening to this, please check out Dale's solo stuff. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, get get some more of that out there. I'm working on it for sure. <laughs> yeah, let's let's play the guitar together someday. Ah, that'd be great. I'd love it. Yeah, I'd love it. I'll let you go, Dale. Um, man, thank you so much for doing this. I know you've been laid up, and and it, it means a whole lot to me. I'm a huge fan, and. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy that we got to work this out. And, and yeah, I mean, totally. I love nerding out about guitars and, and gear and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's fun. Yeah, that's all this is. That's all this is. <laughs> Great. All right, Dale. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. So, you know, I don't fanboy out too much, but I did fanboy about that. I love the Melvins. If you're not a Melvins fan, they're such a fan-friendly band. They're constantly doing, A, they're the most prolific band. They have so many releases out, but then they'll do things that very limited editions of reissues and EPs and uh, this artwork is different. And this was hand screen printed and this EP, there was only a hundred of them made. And you know, it just, they're constantly doing things like that. And today's day and age, it's just so refreshing that a band still cares about the fans that love their band, but they also do it for themselves. They still have that sort of passion about being a band and doing things like that. And uh, man, just what a fucking great band the Melvins are. And and I'm a like I said, I'm a fan, so I was I was freaking out a bit. Also, I know the weight of who the man is. He is Dale Crover. I mean, Jesus Christ, enough said. He is the man. He's also an amazing guitar player. I would be remiss not to leave you with some of Dale's guitar playing. And as I talked about, Dale has a solo project. The wonderful Joyful Noise Records puts his stuff out. He has a record called The Fickle Finger of Fate. And this song is called Bad Move. It's the second song on that record. This record came out in 2017. And man, listen to his lead work in this. It's sort of a tonal, a little... Dwayne Dennison, Jesus Lizard. His rhythm work's amazing, of course, because he's one of the world's greatest drummers. Um, but I, I'm a huge fan of his guitar playing as well. Like he, he just does these really cool atonal leads to this entire song. And uh, I'm here for it, folks. A little Adrian Ballou, I, I, I'll even say. I don't know if he would agree with me there, but I just... Uh, I love it. I love this this record. I love this song. And I'm very honored that I got to talk to the man. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to thank the folks here at the end uh, from Jim Dunlop and MXR Pedals. They are doing amazing work. You should own their stuff. Check out what they're doing at jimdunlop.com. I'm also going to thank just the wonderful folks over at DistroKid. They're helping, they're helping artists get their stuff on the streaming platforms. 
YouTubes and the the Spotify's and the iTunes and the and everything. So uh, just go to DistroKid for all your needs. If you're an artist that wants to self-release, if you're an artist a band that wants to put out your record, you don't want to deal with the labels, you want to do it yourself. Go to DistroKid and they'll set you up. I'm going to leave you and and I appreciate you for tuning in. I'm I'm pushing the envelope, folks. I'm trying to do different things and I wanted to interview a drummer that plays guitar. Why not? It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. All right. Thanks, folks. I am Zach Blair signing off. Mm-hmm.